0: Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate.
1: Museums are no longer seeing themselves as institutions that collect objects or just to tell a history. They are moving towards a place of being an institution with high impact that makes a difference, that's relevant, and in some cases, that take a stance.
0: Digital technology triggered a tectonic shift in the journalism industry. It did the same for museums. Where these two worlds come together is how they use that technology to tell their stories and engage audiences. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Joining me in the studio today is Aaron Harper, a multimedia producer at the US Holocaust Memorial Museum here in Washington D.C. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, people might wonder why do we have somebody from a museum on a podcast about journalism, but you actually your career path, you began as a journalist. Yes. As a storyteller. And now you're a storyteller in a museum. So let's start at the beginning. So tell us about your your journalism career and how you ended up at uh, the Holocaust Museum.
1: So I have a degree in visual journalism from Kent State in Ohio. And my first job out of college was at the Chicago Tribune. I was a multimedia editor. And at first, well, that was 2006. So we were still focused on putting out the paper. Little did we know, two years later, we were much more focused on web and multimedia production. And I spent the first several years doing mostly you know, sound slides and videos and then later a little bit more web development in collaboration with the news apps team. But my main focus content-wise was gun violence. So I was telling these short videos for online and social about something as simple as a kid's journey walking to school in the morning and how terrifying that was. So these kind of stories I felt were, were really important that, and that kept me really engaged. 10 years later, I was looking for a change. And I decided to take a buyout, which was offered to employees at the time. And I moved to D.C. without a job. And I picked D.C. because I had a network here and it's a media town, right? So my thought was I will land somewhere. And a couple months later, a friend of mine told me she recommended me for this job as a multimedia producer with a woman named Sarah Lombard, who's now my boss, and that she was building a digital storytelling team at the Holocaust Museum. And I said... Huh? You recommended me for a job at a museum. Well, thank you, but what, you know what does that mean? What does that entail? What are what are they doing here? And I looked into it, and I found that Sarah was building a team of digital storytellers that was going to focus on telling the how and the why and the lessons of the Holocaust in short form shareable content, which was just so familiar. So I thought, this is great. So I, I interviewed with her. A couple months later, I started, and realized that. The museum had this greater mission, too, and this is going to sound very familiar to journalists, is that the mission is to inform, provide context, educate, reflect on events, tell stories that matter locally and nationally, and stimulate critical thought, and serve as a platform for conversations in the community, and doing all of that by short-form shareable content for the web and online and in museum, and produced in a timely fashion. And I thought, this is This is a quite perfect fit.
0: That's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in here, because being in D.C., which among many other things, besides being a media town, besides being the home of government, is also, it's a museum town. It's a place where people come to visit to learn things. And the Holocaust Museum... Compared to a lot of the other museums, it's relatively new. It's 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 been around for you know I think 20... 20 th- almost twenty five only almost twenty five years. But I remember that when it premiered, it was kind of revolutionary in, in its approach to storytelling. Yes, that it, it was not a matter of here are a bunch of artifacts here, uh, you know here are some glass cases with things in them with little cards that explain it. There was it was actually designed to create an experience for the visitor, so that that it would inform them but then would sort of reach them in a different way than just a normal museum would be. So I'm not really too surprised that a museum that was sort of built on that concept is thinking digitally. That you know that there are a lot of tools out there to tell stories in different ways and now that the audience who who are showing up at museums at home or are having the opportunity to to interact and learn things that by bringing those types of tools into the the museum space it's just like a natural fit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the I can talk about some of the sure. projects I've done that um, that will speak to that. One of the first things that we did was we took the Instagram account, which was seated in marketing, which is pretty typical. That you know you're you're telling some stories about the exhibitions that are happening in the museum, but you're saying come to our museum or in some cases donate to our museum. What we did is took it into the digital storytelling realm and found photos deep in the archives that would tell a story of the Holocaust and that the entire platform was now only, was exclusively historical photos and their stories. And with some dedicated engagement, we have gone from 5,000 to 30,000 in two years. And we think that this is connecting with the audience on a, on a much deeper level.
0: And the idea is, I mean... If you look at th- social media accounts like Instagram or, or, or Facebook or something, where you, you know, on the one hand, you, you say it comes out of marketing, the idea is, well, let's get people in across our threshold to see our goods, but you know, jumping forward and using it as a as a way, as part of your mission to tell to tell your stories, is really smart, and you're seeing that benefit in 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 the growth of your um, of your audience. So. Have you seen sort of a change in well, donations, attendance, in interaction uh, with your audience?
1: I would say that the change that we can monitor from where I am is social media engagement, but that's really as much as I can speak to.
0: So tell me, give me an example of some of the types of projects you work on.
1: Sure. One of the most interesting projects I've done uh, was called Save Syria. It was a video. We had three doctors who were Syrian-American doctors from Chicago, and they came to the museum to tell the story of they had just spent two weeks in in Aleppo in these underground hospitals saving lives amidst all these bombings. This was in August of 2016. And we decided to record their story an interview with these doctors and then use content from the Aleppo Media Center and tell the story of Syria through the lens of these doctors, which is, you know, a classic journalism tactic to use the anecdote to tell the the massive story. And what was great was we got this into the museum and online in 15 days. And that might not sound impressive to us, but in museum time, that had never been done before. Which
0: moves at a glacial pace sometimes. Absolutely. Sometimes. You know, through my, my day job at Federal News Radio, I know uh, one of the organizations, well, there are two organizations we've, we deal with sometimes. One is the, the National Archives and the other is the Library of Congress. And they're very much in the process of digitizing the materials, you know, incorporating uh, or getting help from volunteers to, uh, you know, scan documents, to, to enter documents in as a way to make a lot of that stuff accessible. Is, is there any of that sort of going on with what you're doing?
1: Not in my realm. I think digitization is sort of part of the collections department, but not mine.
0: So you said that you got this, the the project you were just describing up uh, online and, and in the museum. Um, are people pretty much experiencing it the same sort of way or, or in both places or is it, you know... Is, is it a different experience?
1: It's a different experience, and that was a a stretch for me to learn how to do this. It's fascinating to learn this how to... This is part t- performance almost. Right. It's telling a story in the physical space, which is completely different. So one thing that I can talk about is we recently opened an exhibition with the... We have on display five cloths from a Syrian prison that, written in blood and rust, are the names of prisoners who were detained in these underground prisons in Syria and still are. And what I did was take the the man who brought the cloths to us, his name is Mansour Omari, and we interviewed him and took his story on video, but then I made two separate videos. One was in the museum, so it was part of an experience where in one room you see the cloths and you hear his voice describing them, and there's context about the history of Syria on the wall in the museum, and so the video was a component in the physical space. It meant to tell a portion of the story. But when the exhibition opened last week, when the exhibition opened a couple weeks ago, I made a new version for Twitter, which was two minutes and 20 seconds, largely condensed, but had the context of Syria and had kind of a an ending that resonated that was more of a call to action.
0: So... Uh, I understand why you do that from a, like a journalist standpoint, because we do the same sort of thing. We create shorter pieces to be in social media, to sort of drive people to, to, to the website. Is that, is that kind of what you're trying to do, but in sort of a museum-y space?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So that there's, people can experience it both in the, in the museum and online and the old, you know, it's like the, old, it's the old, uh, Saturday or, or the, oh, I was going to be, make a terrible comparison. Um, it, it's the old um, like learning TV thing. This is you could find out more in the, at the, the library, museum. The idea is to tr- intrigue people, intrigue them. Yeah, it does intrigue them. Entice. The idea yeah. is to entice people to uh, find out more either through their, the materials that they have or actually a, a visit to the museum. Now, it, it's interesting, you've been talking about Syria. People think about the Holocaust Museum, they're, they're probably thinking, oh, well, this is something. Especially when you're thinking about it as a museum, because museums are always about things that happened a long time ago. But here, you know, um, it's it's been almost it's been more than half century since the Holocaust in Europe, and now you're telling a story of Syria. Is that part of the sort of ongoing mission of uh, the museum?
1: Yes. So one division of the museum under the umbrella is the Center for Prevention of Genocide, and they are a think tank that focuses on areas of conflict around the world that are in danger of genocide um, with the mission of preventing it and that comes in many different forms but for us it is continuing to tell the story of syria and aleppo and raise awareness of the cause it's sometimes a call to action for the international community for example Um, But it's such a huge part of the mission. One of the things I did a year ago was a one minute video with text and music only that was specifically made for Twitter. And it was right around the time of an uptick in violence against the Rohingya population in Burma. And it was just something very much in the skill set. But it, it helped CPG. It helped the Center for Prevention of Genocide move at a quicker pace and use social media as the outlet.
0: So I mean, we've talked a little bit about the the tools that you use and the skills that, that you, you employ the, those tools with, and a lot of them came out of your your time as a journalist. You know, looking back to you know the mid two thousands and to where you're at now, how how have things changed in your in you as a storyteller? Huh. You're not doing this. You're not doing the exact same thing you were doing back then. But I mean, let me let me ask you that yeah. in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a very different way, but it kind of think goes at the same sort of thing. Do you consider yourself still a journalist? Yes, absolutely. How so?
1: I feel that I've left a newsroom, but that didn't mean that I left journalism. And I think part of that is the skills are fully utilized, but that these skills are completely embraced by my colleagues and even celebrated that here we are getting to move quicker and, you know, being just more comfortable with things like acquiring rights and meeting deadlines. I mean, it sounds pretty basic, but people have come to me with help on how can we tell this story really quickly on this platform? And they really appreciate that we have really innovated the museum and their ability to tell a story. Museum time used to be, I mean, you can work on a project that's going to be an exhibition in 2020. And to me, I I think we also need to work on something that's coming out next week. So you still have the, the time element is still in there, but it's a little bit different. It is different. It's somewhere in the middle. It's mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's fascinating because you know I, you think about that and how the way people are consuming content and how it's changed so much in the last 10 years. and at the same time, the structure of uh, sort of mainstream media has, has sort of blown up and the way we gather information has changed so much, the things that we recognize as, as news sources, are kind of different. We get a lot of different information from different organizations. I mean, you know, being in, in DC, is, you, all, there's also a lot of foundations. That employ journalists to do the same sort of t- the thing that to to tell their story, using a lot of the same sort of tools. some of them can sort of you know stray more into the marketing, but other other are very informative and uh, you know useful information.
1: Yes, and and I can tell you more about what museums are doing that I think completely supports that idea. Then let's do that. Sure. Um, so I think that museums are no longer seeing themselves as institutions that collect objects or just tell a history. They are moving towards a place of being an institution with high impact that makes a difference, that's relevant, that people trust, and in some cases that take a stance. So the the Holocaust Museum, we have come out and condemned the violence in Charlottesville and the persecution of gays in Chechnya and the systematic killing of the Rohingya population in Burma. And we have a purpose. And I think that, that that makes... It's so fulfilling that the reason behind it is the same: is to make a difference in the world, is to challenge people, is to stimulate critical thought. So
0: you've talked about uh, some of the projects that you've worked on, and what you were just describing about how you're you're telling current stories. Is it an opportunity for reporting in this, or is it something a little different?
1: Reporting how?
0: Maybe? Well, I mean, what reporting is traditionally is is you know, f- you know, going to pursue a story. Interviewing sources, bringing back material, or is, it, or is it a little more scholarly, maybe?
1: It looks a little bit different, but the same concept. So, one thing that we do more of is uh, we have a blog on Medium, but instead of having a historian write an essay about the Jesse Owens movie that came out a couple years ago, we will interview him and do a QA because historians and content experts their job is to prevent things in the sort of form of a lecture or an academic writing. That doesn't necessarily translate to a general public audience very easily. But I think that that's what we do as journalists is we translate that into not only the information, what it means, but why it's important. So it just looks a little bit different.
0: So uh, one of the big questions every journalist has to ask is, who you know, who's my audi- audience? Who am I writing this for? Who is who is your audience?
1: We consider the general public our audience and with a specific focus on age 17 to 35 as kind of the, the people who are developing their opinions and who they are in the world.
0: That's an audience that is comfortable with digital storytelling that gets probably most of their 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 news and information that way. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a perfect fit. So I mean when we before we turn on the mics you you were talking about one of the things that you wanted to to do is we sort of talk about, you know, how you you were a journalist and you became a producer at a multimedia producer at a at a museum is that you'd like to see more journalists in museums? Why is that? What opportunities are there? Why should they do it? What fulfillment are they going to get out of it? Are you getting fulfillment
1: out of this? It, this is very fulfilling. I people have asked me, "Do you miss the newsroom?" And I said, "No," because I still I still do the work that's important that has the mission behind it. I will tell you, the hours are better, and it's a little bit work life balance is a little bit better.
0: Your description of, of the work, of these projects you did about Syria, I mean, this sounds very rewarding and appealing, I think, to somebody who wants to tell a story that, that can have impact. And, you know, you don't always get that, that opportunity when you're a journalist, but when you do, that's something that really charges you. And so, you know, here's something that you're, you're working for an organization that has a clear mission to inform people about these, these terrible things going on in the world to prevent them, to make people aware of that so that maybe they can affect change. I mean, that's really kind of powerful, a powerful type of job to have. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You're very powerful. Did you know that? Thank
1: you. Yes, (laughs) I feel powerful.
0: Okay. So anyway, the question is, why should more journalists be thinking about working for, for museums?
1: I think museums need journalists and many of them don't realize that yet. So I was at a conference the Museum Computer Network Conference, and I did a panel on why journalism belongs in your museum. And it was very much about the skill transfer and the dedication and the disciplines. And I think that the shift in, in museums' mission to be a relevant institution in the world is what will allow journalists to feel satisfied and comfortable in the environment.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, What is it that some of the other museums are doing uh, along these lines?
1: The National Museum for African American History and Culture is doing phenomenal work. I don't know if you've been there. I was just there this morning. It's fantastic. They do a series on YouTube called A People's Journey. That's really fantastic. They take on equality, equality, Intersectionality, women's rights, immigration, they challenge stereotypes that are still perpetuated, and they do it in digital storytelling form. In 2014, there were a couple of museum professionals, Adrienne Russell and Aaliyah Brown, who hosted a conversation on Twitter with the hashtag museums respond to Ferguson. And it was really starting a conversation. It was really moving along a conversation about these exact principles on when something like this happens in the world, do museums stand idle or do they take a position? And that conversation is still going on today.
0: That reminds me that we had uh, Sonia Gavankar from the museum on um, a few months ago, and she talked about what they're doing. I mean, obviously, the, the link to, to journalism was a little clearer there, but she even talked about the fact that how they had to sort of change their approach because the the audience had certain expectations about how the story would be told. And so you know, social media, digital presentations, you know, it's 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 all up there. So if we get more journalists into into museums and, and doing these types of stories telling, what what do you hope that that'll accomplish?
1: I think that museums are full of information and artifacts and stories, and these stories need to be, mind and they need to be written and told. I think museums need journalists to do this task. It's overwhelming. And museums have multiple priorities, such as education or collection or conservation. But this needs to be a priority. And for many, it's becoming one. In an instance that it's not, I wouldn't hesitate to approach a museum and say, have you thought about this? There might not be an infrastructure for digital storytelling yet. But it's so successful in the instances where it exists that I would encourage anyone to even try it. There might not be a job opening, but see if you can create it.
0: Yeah, there were, we had a guest on a long time ago, Andrew Lee, who uh, works with American University. He is um, written for um, Wikipedia, has written about Wikipedia, and he's working with the, um, the archives in the Smithsonian to help them get their materials into making them available for Wikipedia as a way, as source material to, to get, get out there. So he's teaching classes in this, getting students involved in this, this idea that, you know, the museums are a resource and, you know, information out there that is so important to get out to people to tell stories that are still relevant today. I mean, you mentioned the, um, uh, the African American museum. I haven't been to that today. That's, that's on my short list, but I, because I understand it's a, it's a great museum, Aaron, thank you for coming in.
1: Thank you very much. This is great.
0: Next time on It's All Journalism.
1: It's not that photography can't do this, but illustration is a more seamless vehicle for presenting ideas and an artist's point of view. So I think it's still essential. And I think that there's there's something that's still important in an age where, you know, where tempers flare to still talk about things visually in terms of ideas. And
0: concepts. In our next podcast, I talk to illustrator David Plunkett about his recent work for New Yorker Magazine and the role of an illustrator as a visual storyteller. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at It'sAllJournalism.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Do you want to get the latest news about our podcast, including upcoming episodes, exclusive content, and live events? Visit itsalljournalism.com and sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Follow the link at the top of the page to subscribe. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.
1: Target USA podcast with your host, JJ Green. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile
0: that could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. DC is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack.
1: This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA. The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The Finish the Game podcast with your host, Sean Alexander.
0: call play to Sean. Across the 10 to 5. Hey, this is Sean Alexander, NFL MVP. Check out my podcast, Finish the Game, where I discuss
1: sports and life lessons helping you become an MVP. The Finish the Game podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcast1.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.